0: Welcome back to a bonus episode of Full Metal RPG I'm your host, Brendan Carrion And today, today it's a bit surreal, kids It's, uh, we got, we got someone on the show I don't know, the the situation will will speak to itself Today I am joined by Brinton Williams Brinton, what up? Howdy <laughs> welcome to the show man it's so great to have you here
1: yeah it's good it's good
0: now uh to those of you who listen to the show regularly you may know that brinton is a friend of mine and he's a member of a writing group that i established uh to write role-playing games and um brinton being the guy that he is is just way out in front of everybody else and uh he finished his game he wrote his fucking game and now it's on Kickstarter. Is that right, man?
1: Yep, it's live right now.
0: It is live right now, guys. And let me tell you, it is it is a, it is a piece of a beauty, my friend. It is just like something. It's like I'm so stoked to see it. I just I just can't I can't believe it. I always kind of figured you'd be on the show at some point, but I figured it'd be just like, oh yeah, it's me and Brenton just hanging out and talking about role playing games and shit. But no, we have you here as a bona fide creator to talk about your Kickstarter. So. For those of us who don't know you, for those of the listeners who don't know you, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and just, like, tell us a little bit something about yourself and maybe kind of about your introduction to gaming and, like, you know, how you got into all this shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, Brinton Williams, I live up in the Bay Area. I'm just south of San Francisco. I'm in in the suburbs because the city got too expensive for us. Um, I have been gaming since I was a very little kid, um... I started playing role-playing games um, just with my friends, not having any idea how rules work, and rolling dice to make random stuff happen and thinking that's how it all worked. Um, And I guess, yeah, I guess my, like, formative role-playing years, because I think for everyone that's different, right? Like, some people's formative years were, like, early teens. Some people started gaming in college or whatever. Um, I was really like a teenage like gamed all the time, played role playing games, war games like Warhammer, Warhammer forty k and and others. Um, super into D second edition. Um, that was sort of my like mainstay edition that I carried around with me everywhere in a school backpack. And then transitioned as a lot of people do in the edgy mid nineties to Vampire the Masquerade and like sort of that whole slate of like darker kind of weird games that came out at that time was my my jam then. So
0: I f- I feel like if you had been around here we would have been high school chums because your 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 experience so closely mirrors mine. I just I just feel like we would have been in the same gaming group. I would hope so. Maybe, maybe I'm self-glossing. Maybe I'm self-glossing here. I don't know. Um <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say that um I mean at the time I tried to make friends with every gamer I knew, but the number of gamers I knew could be counted on like one hand uh, with a couple fingers left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And then so in those those early days of gaming when we got started, there were so few of them and such they were such misanthropes usually as people, so socially awkward and inept that I mean this uh, this definitely happened to me that I kind of felt like I needed to be friends with every gamer that I met, and I needed to cultivate these these friendships, these relationships with these gamers. And um, then as my social circles expanded, I realized I was taking on all of this horrifying dead weight, and some of these people I just shouldn't be friends with, you know?
1: Yeah, like I felt like I wasn't allowed to be picky. It was like uh-huh. if they were a gamer, I had to be their friend and then like all of their uh-huh. other flaws and problems were like, Well, they're a gamer, so we can at least do that. Um uh-huh. and it's true. Exactly. As as I got older, it was like, wait a minute, these are fucking horrible people. Some of them. Not <laughs> not all. Some of them. And you just like so there were a couple important points in my life where I just I was like, It's not worth it. I love playing games, but not with these people. And you just have to like cut certain people loose. Yeah,
0: it's really true. You reach a certain point as a GM where you're like, I mean, this happened to me in the early two thousands, where I was like, um, oh, I have to play with these people or my this thing that I love and that gives me life and that is like is integral to who I see myself as as any other thing, right? I won't be able to do it. So I have to hang out with these like assholes all the fucking time, and then I just got to this point where I was like, "Get that, get out of my house, <laughs> you know. You're you can't come over anymore, you know." And I, like I don't the care.
1: the internet has helped a lot with that, in which I can feel connected to more actually good like minded people around the world, and like interact no with doubt. them on a daily basis. Even though I'm not gaming with them that often, I can be like, "Okay, here's a standard of person I should be hopefully associating with." And that well, gives me some perspective on like when I meet someone that is toxic to be like, no, I know, I know it doesn't have to be this way.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's actually a really great segue into uh, Dungeon Punks and Core Hammer. Yeah, you are uh, the West Coast kind of like, like I, I mean, I don't want to you know put too much pressure on you here. But you're kind of like the West Coast leader of of the of the Dungeon Punks experience. Am I right? Do are you willing to take that on? I, I,
1: I'm bad at giving myself titles or labels. I'm, uh, like myself and Chris Kohler and like Rob Moran and a couple other folks, uh, Don and Ben have all kind of known some of those guys through either hardcore or other kind of experiences for like years. Um, some of them knew him like years and years ago before any of this was a thing just through the music scene. Um, but I've been lucky enough that I traveled out to England for work a few times. So I've gotten to know them in person. Um, and then, like, I've traveled to Adepticon. So I got to know some of the, like, other folks, like Nick. And it's, it's like, I feel like I've met everyone from the various regions. <laughs> like, I've been lucky enough to, to meet people in person from all these various regions. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how you and I met. You and I met through Dungeon Punk slash Core Hammer and they were like, oh yeah, there's this other American, Brinton. And then I don't know, somehow I think that we were both kind of involved in like a writing project that one of the Dungeon Punk guys was working on. And I think that was how I very first ever heard of you was um, I was doing a lot of art at the time and uh, they handed me a piece that you had written and they were like, oh, you're going to do some illustrations for this. And this was for like a zine that never ended up yeah, happening. Yeah. Um, and that was the very first uh, time I ever met you, well, or ever heard of you. And then as I sort of got to know you over the years, and when it was time to do um, the writing club, I was like, well, I know Brinton writes, so I should hit him up and uh, see if he'd want to come write role-playing games with us. So here we are after this epic fucking saga. You never really know like what the people you meet are gonna lead you to, huh? Or or how that how that's gonna end up working out. Yeah, um, yeah. It's crazy. It's a trip. So so here we are. You've written a role playing game, man. Tell us about your game. Tell us what, everything we need to know.
1: Yeah, so it's um it's called Ruin and Conquest. Um, and it's a sort of post-apocalyptic, low-fantasy setting for tabletop RPGs. So it's a campaign setting, like it's a game world, Um so it can be used with any system you're already using. It's, it's system agnostic, it's system neutral. That means you don't have to learn new rules, new character advancement. You don't even have to like change out of your, your current campaign if you don't want to. You can just sort of bolt this world onto the side or into the middle of whatever you're already doing. Um, if you have a favorite game, if you're playing fifth edition and you're loving it, if you're playing OSR games, it doesn't really matter. They can all be brought into this game world. Um, and it's a world that is sort of filled with endemic warfare, with raiders attacking from the sea, while the native people just fight amongst themselves. So you take this constant state of sort of violence and you combine it with a really crazy and unknown world full of creatures and beings just out of sight. Uh, great beasts roaming dark forests, you know, like drunken fauns dancing in the moonlight around the ancient world trees. Uh, Demons that consume the dead, destroying their spirit for all of eternity, like removing people from the afterlife. Um, It's a world of rumor and myth and folklore and just like darkness where magic is dangerous. Um, You know, every shadow could hide a treasure or a curse and and the dead walk the night. Um, So that's kind of my, my elevator pitch for it.
0: And, and and a great pitch it is because who the fuck wouldn't want to play that that's like that's amazing and um i mean we we went i, I don't know how much you want to get into it but but as part of the role playing group we kind of like went around and around about like the best ways to kind of present the material <laughs> and um you know i think everybody kind of made their little like their best case to you about like oh well try and market it this way, try and market it that way. You've, you've gone, um, system agnostic. And, uh, I think that's kind of in the tradition of say, for instance, hot springs Island that is incredibly hot right now. Um, sort of talk to us about, about your experiences with that and your feelings on that. Like, uh, uh, go, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I thought a lot about it and it, it kind of came down to us that I didn't, I didn't want to write a rules engine. Um, I didn't want to take that on. I also didn't want to burden uh, people with having to buy into my rule system. Um, I have a very strong opinion about how I want a world to exist and a, a story to exist and um, how games should be played in that way. But I don't have a really strong worldview on like the mechanics that need to happen to, to make that. I think there's a lot of really talented rules writers out there with their own opinions, throwing great books out. Um, and I didn't want to get in the way of that. I just wanted to make a cool world that people could inhabit. So at the end of the day, I thought the best way to do that was to keep it applicable to any uh, rules engine someone wanted to use um, and just write it in a way that it could slot into any of those with, with very generic sort of stat blocks for the creatures. And then just a lot of world building that you can you can go into um so does that make sense
0: so ab- dude, absolutely it's uh, it, it's great i mean part of what you've said is that um you can buy this and you can kind of drag and drop it into your current setting like maybe you're doing curse of strad or something and then you defeat strad and you're like oh well what's on the other side of this ocean over here because it takes place on an island yeah. right it's a, yeah it's an, it's an island culture and um You know, if you if you're if you're playing through any of the Sword Coast stuff uh, for Dungeons and Dragons, and they've like really been hitting that Sword Coast thing hard, then you if you decide to go out of the coast and into the water, then the island can be right there. Yeah, and on some level, it's not it's not entirely uh, uh, different from what was going on with like the Moonshade Isles and stuff, right? I think I think it's like a a grittier, uh, more interesting version of something kind of like that am i wrong
1: no no it it's true and and the thing i i sort of forgot yes it's an island it's a big island so it doesn't need to be part of you know it doesn't need to be tacked on to another campaign world you can you can adventure for years within just the confines of its space it has all you need varied terrain mountains and forests and lake areas and frozen areas and giant swamps with um huge snakes that can crush houses that you can fight through and it's got all of this sort of varied world varied terrain its own races and religions and lore and cities it has all that so if you just want to live in that world it's perfectly capable of that but it can also just be thrown down into some you know fog-covered ocean uh outside of an existing campaign location and you can wander onto it and find it. And that makes it an entirely different campaign.
0: So. See the thing about it, like, okay. Having read some of the material, um, the thing I would want to do with it is run it as is because I don't think it needs anything else. Um, it's just, it is incredibly compelling. The material is inside of there. And I mean, I w- the, the, to the listeners, I want I want you guys to know, Brinton's a very like humble guy. He's not gonna come on here and talk about what a great fucking writer he is. So it becomes my 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 burden slash joy to tell you what a great writer he is. And you will not be sad if you back this game um, when you receive the finished product because it's just so expertly written. It's so well written. It's a standalone campaign setting, all on its own, and you like, like, just like you were saying, Brenton, you're you're gonna be able to get years and years out of it. You're gonna be able to run a completely self-contained, like, epic, a multi generational arc, if you wanted to. Am yeah. I right.
1: And I mean, I I guess I need a hype man. I need someone that just stands behind me, and <laughs> I need the flavor flavor to swing in <laughs> and, and talk up because I I'm not really, you know, I kind of just threw this together. Um, at the beginning. And then as I've written more and more on it, it's taken like a really strong direction and shape that I'm really excited about and happy and, and can't wait for people to be able to see. But yeah, I, I be I've been accused in the past of being, uh, understated. So,
0: <laughs> well, you know, we live in the internet era and everybody's always, you know, self glossing and hyping their shit on Instagram. And I think everybody gets a little tired of that. So it's definitely refreshing to, um, encounter somebody who's so modest about their own talents, but um, yeah, and it's just very important. I, I my Instagram start.
1: is full of stories about me as a twelve year old role player. So I'm I'm obviously hard oh, hard yeah. to shame. <laughs> I'm hard
0: to shame. <laughs> and they're good too. Uh, we'll get to that at the end. People should follow Brenton on on uh, on Insta because it's 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 a treat to read. But um, like, it's it, not just the writing, but the creative vision behind the entire package because as you were commissioning art you were sending me pieces and I saw a lot of the art before it showed up on the Kickstarter and um you want to talk about that a little bit about kind of like doing your own art direction and 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 kind of where this idea came from let's start with that where what was the seed what was the inspiration for this book
1: um so the inspiration was um I think I think there were two different threads on Facebook. This is a weird thing to say, but uh, there are two threads on Facebook. There was one kicking around, I think, in the Dungeon Punks, and one on your guys's uh, wall, whatever channel, something. I don't know the terminology for it, but it was essentially saying sure. uh, what's what's uh, either a franchise or a campaign or something that doesn't exist that you would want to play. And I remember because I write three answers or more for everything, like I I gave a number of answers and but one of them was this what ended up turning into this this sort of campaign setting was I wanted something that was sort of historically based, that was about people fighting people, not just fighting orcs or goblins or, or killing like mass extincting, like evil races that it was about human conflict in a realistic setting, but with fantasy elements to sort of, you know, blow out that realistic setting, take, take the themes of it and just make them bigger. Um, And so I sort of like pitched the, the time period of it. And because it's a Facebook thread, like one person said like, Oh, that sounds neat. And then it moves on and no one cares. (laughs) <laughs> but it stuck in my head. It's like, no, wait a minute. that That is yeah. actually what I would like to do. Um, and on yours, you were like, hey, we're going to start a writing group. And I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. Sounds great. And then a month or two later, you were like, no, we actually started this group. Do you want to join? And I was like, oh, yeah, actually, I guess I better write something. It should be this. This is the thing that's in my brain and can't leave it. Um so it's based loosely on, you know, sixth, seventh century uh, Britain, um which is after the Romans left and before the Vikings came, like it was during the Saxon invasions. Um And I had read some academic texts about it years ago that really compelled me because it was this sort of post-apocalyptic world where a bunch of people lived literally surrounded by the material remains of a culture that was more advanced than they were. And that doesn't happen much in human history. We 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 might not personally, like we might not be better people than we used to be, but technologically we are better off. We build better things, our cars drive themselves, we have phones, we have computers in our pocket. Like we are technic- technologically on an upward curve. And only a few times in history are we not? Are we sitting around staring at people who knew more than us that could do bigger and better things, and we have to live in that shadow? And this was one of those times, and I just wanted to kind of take that and blow it out with fantasy elements, to to make a post-apocalyptic like fantasy world.
0: Awesome, awesome. Uh, now, in the the art, because I remember when we were first talking about the game, and I was like first reading it, and I just got these. Images in my head of these kind of like green rolling hills and like fog covered mountains and it, the, the the whole to me there was an intense melancholy like inside the inside the prose the way that it was written it, it's, it it felt like a it felt sort of sad like you're like standing on one of those cliffs that you see in like a movie with like the waves crashing underneath it and there's like the all this verdant land behind you you know. <laughs> Um, and, and so I had to, you know, that's the thing is when you read a role playing game and you haven't seen the images yet that the author sees, you have a particular idea of it. And to me it was very picturesque, but then as the art started coming in, like there's this incredibly kind of gritty, uh, tone to it. Yeah. Um,
1: and that's, that's parts of it. Uh, like the major things I wanted is sort of this very, very, uh, I'm trying to think like natural world where humans have only managed to kind of tame small portions. Like there are these little, uh, you know, clear areas within the world and everything in between those isn't safe. It's, you know, its not safe because there's humans out there. Uh, war bands and raiding parties and bandits and it isn't safe because just the world of nature is not your friend um there are you know these things that i call great beasts which are descendants of the original you know form of an animal so if there was one original wolf then its progeny are a bunch of great beasts which are these giant wolves that lead like intelligent wolf packs and uh will you know hunt humans for sort of sport because they feel they're intruding on their land so you have that you have massive boars you have like i said snakes that can that can crush a whole household you have all of these different creatures that live just outside of the human world that really feel humans are are interlopers in that world and are at not open war we're not talking about armies on a field but in this kind of uh asymmetrical war with them where they, they definitely don't like them so the, the world isn't safe um, and one of the things I wanted to try and push on that is that the world isn't safe because of human interference because we're this sort of uh, in some ways we're the, the most advanced and greatest thing in the world and we have religions and gods and culture and art and then we're also this horrible disease that is uh, destroying nature and nature is fighting back so it's Supposed to be this big, beautiful, amazing world, but also at war and on fire and covered in smoke and flame, and so it's both.
0: Oh man! When people see this Kickstarter, they're gonna fucking lose their shit. I'm like uh, flipping through it right now. Um, The you and I kind of talked about like the format (laughs) of the book when you were kind of going through that stage of discovery, (laughs) and. Uh, one of the, the the references that you cited to me early on that i mean i i, I have to say guys lis- listeners i kind of resisted brinton on some of these ideas and he had and he and he convinced me because what you said brinton was that you wanted to create a book that reminded you sort of of the um old hogshead uh wooferp material yeah right? yeah and um So, so, and then, and then as you're talking about just, even just now, as you're talking about the, um, the setting and the way that it feels, I can't help but feel like there is this kind of like, um, that that some of what you've written is sort of informed by your life as a hobbyist war gamer and like the Warhammer and the Kings of War like type material. Am I wrong?
1: No, I mean, I think. I think if we're saying that a a writer of something is influenced by his life of experiences and like the things he likes and loves over the years, like, (laughs) yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I'm not, I'm not a professional writer that is churning out content for a paycheck. Uh, This is very much a, a passion project. So it's going to be a collection of all, it's like a curiosity cabinet it's a collection of all the little things that i've loved over the years mashed up and and spit back out hopefully into a new original form um but it is definitely heavily influenced by that kind of late 80s early 90s warhammer fantasy role play uh some of the elric books like the and not just from like the content but like the form like the size of it the art style, the um, thickness of the book, what's included in the book, you know, that it is, it is attempting to be an updated version of that. Um, not just a regurgitation of it, but me taking a love for that and making something that is useful to people now and has the kind of, what I would want someone to discover now that has all of the modern sort of uh, conveniences.
0: Awesome. Right. And I mean, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, Warhammer was not a, an attempt to regurgitate D and D, but it was like, it was an attempt to sort of expand on the ideas of D and D while being expi- inspired, <laughs> by it. So I don't think there's anything like, I, I, I hope, I hope you don't feel like I was trying to diminish your creativity there because I feel like it's a very unique and very creative, uh, uh, setting. Um, the, the, inks in these pictures are just so black and just so i mean just it just takes you back to a different time of when these books were being created uh what what was it like uh kind of like wrangling up all these images man how did you do um that?
1: so i just asked a bunch of people <laughs> um i mean i'm i'm gonna write an actual post about how i worked with artists to just sort of give the advice i have for everyone because um so far i think all the artists i worked with liked working with me um and would and would do it again in a heartbeat and they've all sort of gone on instagram and etc and and sort of advertised for the book and all of that none of which was in the agreement or anything beforehand so i i think they're all pumped on what they created so i think i did a good job but i'll give the the sort of short version now which is um i when i knew i was doing this book i reached out to a couple of my sort of friends that i'd made who were artists and said hey would you be interested in doing art and they were interested but what i have found from projects in the past um and this is not meant as an insult but art is really really hard and it's really time consuming and they have a lot of different projects or sort of inspirations going on at a time so I wasn't going to ask one person to do like all of the illustrations for the book, even if I'd wanted to, even if I wanted like a purely consistent style, there was just no way that was going to work. I can write the whole thing, but trying to get someone else to do 35 quality illustrations of all different subjects who was like a buddy of mine was never, never going to fly. So I knew I would be farming it out to a whole bunch of different people, getting them all to do a couple illustrations, two to three, um, and so when i knew i would sort of be doing that i just started keeping an eye open uh every time i looked at instagram every time i looked sort of in various like art magazines or posts or um any of that or like when one artist mentioned another artist or when they talked i would just sort of follow and i would ask my friends who followed this stuff hey who are you following who's cool um and i just sort of collected this giant you know list and just started looking through all their stuff and finding the ones that would match specific pieces that I thought would play to their particular strengths. Um, and then I just started contacting all of them. Um, assuming that a bunch would tell me to go away or they weren't interested or whatever, and that I would pare down to this tiny number and I would be fine. Um, but a bunch of them were into it. Um, you know, Uh, let them know about the project really succinctly, let them know what I was looking for and, and ask their availability and rates and then just started working out deals with each of them. Um, I didn't advertise who I was working with to the other people. I wanted them to be interested in the project on their own and want to work with me and not just do it because they knew someone else was already in on the project, um, which created a weird moment of like surprise for a bunch of them when they found out they were both working on the same project and we're we're kind of stoked to see each other in it.
0: No, that's cool as hell. <laughs> that's 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 rad. Like when you get invited to uh, a party and then you show up and your friends are already <laughs> there, right? That's that's cool. That's great, right? Who who doesn't want that? Um, what what other takeaways do you have from the uh, the production process of of going from like I don't publish my own books. To now I do. What? What? what do you have? For I that? mean, it's
1: just ask a lot of advice and be very humble about um, taking, asking, and receiving advice. You know, um, I I reached out to you. I reached out to a number of other people who had run Kickstarters. Either you know, I got introductions from you to Justin Royce and James Vale. Um, I knew a few other people who had run Kickstarters just personally through gaming. Um, I asked them to reach out to anyone they knew who had given them advice. So I got sort of this network of of mentors um, that could let me know all about uh, printing and print on demand and um, Kickstarter and best practices and working with artists and doing all of these different pieces that are required. Um, what I will say is that I broke a lot of their rules. I'm sure (laughs) like I, I accepted the advice definitely, but I didn't, I didn't do all of it. I didn't agree with all of it. It's, I think what's important for a project like this is to know, um, ultimately I'm not, I'm not trying to make a living off of this. I, I have a career. This is something that I want to support and I want to do because I love the material and I love creating, but it's, it's not a paycheck. It's trying to pay for itself. And really it's just trying to pay the artists, Um, so ultimately I need to be happy with the material and that I would rather be happy with the material and love what I produced than like sell a couple extra copies. Um, and, and that's not a slight against anyone. There's people out there making very cool commercial stuff and they're not really sacrificing, but I'm in a position where I just want it to be the thing that I think is great for the people who want it. And that means that if my attention was going to have to go towards something else that I didn't really want to do, sometimes I, I made that choice to not do it. Um, but I think that should always be a conscious choice. You should take on that advice. You should get a lot of people looking at your stuff. I mean, I'm sure you saw it in the writer's group where you would sort of make a really good argument, and I would say, yes, that makes sense. I'm going to present it in a different way. But I wasn't, I wasn't asking you guys to change the material. I was asking for sort of refinement, but like, the direction should be the creator's.
0: Yeah, I got to say, man, um, I think that you have, as a person, I think that you have like, a pretty amazing poker face because you like we would sit there and read your material and you would ask us stuff about it, and then it was kind of like, it's, within the confines of the writer group specifically, we would almost do this kind of like king and his court thing where you'd be like, okay, here's an idea I have. And then all of us would kind of come forward and we'd present our own ideas about how to pursue that. And as you would listen to us, you always seemed kind of impervious. Like, there was no way to tell which one you thought was better or if you thought we were a bunch of fools just dancing around in front of you. It was... um, but I could tell that you were thinking. I could tell that you were always listening and that you were always thinking, and that that has, uh, on some level, been like a hallmark of the project the entire time. Is that, is that you ask a lot of advice and you ask a lot of questions. But I always know that you'll make the decision that's best for the project and for the 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 project creators. Yeah, you but know? in
1: like, sometimes you guys really did change my mind on things or change my thinking or my my view on stuff. But it was usually around how to present an idea. Like I'm not expecting the writer's group to come up with my ideas. It's it's more about, right, so like right. one example is this book has a ton of random tables in it. Um, and I had no interest in random tables before chatting with the writing group. Because in my mind, I don't want random tables. I just want you to give me like the world and I'll make up the stuff. Um, but that's, mm-hmm. that's how my brain sort of works. Um, and that's why I'm writing a role-playing book. Uh, what you were sort of convincing me on is that other people want a window into how that works. They don't know everything you know about this world. Put it in a table and let them kind of pick and choose what they want out of it or roll randomly or get all of these sort of ideas and inspiration in that format. And when I thought about it that way, I was like, yes, that makes sense. And now the book is you know, full of random tables for all kinds of different esoteric random stuff you know there's going to be a table of curses to put on your tombs and magic items there's a table of petty lords that explains their how they rose to power uh who their enemies are what their strengths are and like what their flaws are there's going to be a table for random warband generation that gives you the size what race they are what kind of secret they have about them, whether they're on their way to get booty or on their way back from getting gold so that they have different kind of motivations and what tactics they would use. Um, And it saved me a lot of kind of hard work because I was originally gonna have to have this whole, you know, 10 page chapter on what a war band is and how it operates and what the different options are and try and explain the philosophy behind it. When I can sort of intelligently put all of that into a table and people can just grok it right from my mind. Um, so there there are definitely things I picked up from the writing group that helped shape the the format and how I convey the information and what I need to add more, or less to or trim or or that for sure.
0: Yeah. And I've seen that Warband Generation table, and that thing is fire. I mean, it's like no GM is going to want to be without that because that's one of, the, to me, that's one of the big things. Like, I don't know, I got kind of like weirdly hung up in the early 2000s on the concept of fairness. Like, I had these car- these players who I was playing players, and they were always freaking out about fairness. I had all these meltdowns at my table, and um, kind of coming up with like fair and balanced encounters. That either didn't seem like they were just pushover encounters for like uh, XP generation, or somehow like weirdly punitive, like like you know deal with the wrath of the GM because I'm frustrated with you guys. Um, and I just I just always wanted something where I could be like I just wish it would just appear in front of me. I just wish I could just take a, a random warband and just and just have it be in the way of these characters. And now I mean seriously, you can just like roll some dice and here's this pre-generated warband with like a motivation and like a leader, a leader guy. Right. And, um, I mean, that's, that ain't on you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, uh, whatever happens to them after interacting with these guys, through role playing that's all. Yeah. Them, and right? I'm
1: a, I'm a big believer in, um, how to explain it, like encounters, not combats. Like I, the thing yeah. I hate the worst. Well, I shouldn't say the worst. I have a long list of things I hate the worst, but one of the things that drives me <laughs> nuts is, this sort of concept of you come upon a, a, a creature and now roll initiative and we're like fighting and maybe there's an element of surprise and it's like, no, I, I, I want all of the, the like tension. I want, you know, the, the enemy warband to be stalking you or you to be stalking them or, they don't want to fight because they are actually really weak and have a bunch of money and they just want to get back to their homes and, and spend their wealth and they're doing everything they can to appear strong when they're weak. And you have this opportunity for, you know, uh, scouting them out for talking them into things for gauging their strengths and weaknesses for bluffing. Like, uh, I want all of that kind of pre conflict, uh, role-playing to happen where you you have decisions to make you can make mistakes party uh you know conflicts can come up amongst yourselves how you deal with this and all of that and then maybe there's a fight maybe you end up just just clashing over it maybe you end up fighting the thing but that there's all this room for other stuff like if you if you have right. a monster in the woods, like, I want it to be watching them for days. I want you to hear it. I want you to see the trail of it. I want it to be this ominous presence so that when you do actually encounter it, it means something instead of just you come into a clearing and there's eight goblins and one's a wizard and two have bows. Now fight. It's like, that's that's the worst.
0: Right, right. So That's, yeah, that's, that, that's role playing and it's most sort of like... Like okay, I'm in sixth grade and I don't really understand how these books work. But like you were saying at the very beginning, I mean, I got started in the same way. Like I don't know how these books work. Here's a you come upon goblins. Goblins hate humans. Humans hate goblins. Now you fight. We're gonna roll the dice. Um, but I mean, I, I love role playing like discussions between PCs yep. and NPCs. You know, like you come upon some guys on the road and where you know you you, you make camp with them. Like where are you coming from? Where are you going? What did you see there? Maybe your characters at, are at a point of development over the course of the campaign where they have personal philosophies that they want to um, like argue about. You know what I'm saying? Like what is better, like war or peace? Like what, like like what is more fulfilling, like power or love? You know what I'm saying? This that stuff is that stuff is great when you can actually get to do it. And um, it sounds to me like the tables that you've created. Will allow people to build like compelling encounters not just in this game or in fantasy role playing games, but in like if you're using your vampire the dark Ages book, you know, like, oh, here's a petty lord yeah, right? and that's
1: the the tables are all meant to be able to be used all over the place. Only a few of them are specific to this, but it's yeah, there's a there's sort of a town generator that gives you sort of what state it's in, what it's doing what the, the people are doing, who, how is it ruled, who rules it. And then there's one for just generating like the characters, the main characters within it, which is the usually because each, this is a very kind of tribal society and that there are, there is no like king that rules the land. There are a bunch of people who would call themselves kings. There's a bunch of people who call themselves lords over their own little dominion. And that dominion could be large and have a whole bunch of vassals that kind of contribute into them or it could literally be like their little swamp with their tiny town and their hall but they're still they're the lord um
0: yeah yeah they're clinging to that man that's That's their their thing thing. and they
1: have their personal household of people you know their family their soothsayer their weird seer that's throwing bones and calling you all traitors um so as you sort of move across this world, it's this patchwork of loyalties and conflict and beliefs. And, you know, because there's different major religions, that was another theme I wanted to get into in this, is this unique period where you have the old religion of the people who had left the island that's just left over and held on to by a kind of the diehards. They don't even know what the language means anymore. They don't know what the words are, but they keep repeating them just because they believe that's what will, you know, save them in the end. You have the original religion of the island, which is very nature focused, and everything has a spirit, and those spirits uh, must be respected and sacrificed to, or else all of sort of the wild world is against you. Um, And then you have the religion of the newcomers, the sea raiders, who is a very kind of Germanic or Greek where they have human-like gods with human-like flaws that respect, you know, uh, bravery and battle and passion and all of these things. And so you have this clash of different belief systems, um, different religions, different loyalties, all of these different things going on. So everywhere you go, there's very human conflict to be had. And that's before you even think about like, well, let's go fight, uh, an ancestor spirit in the forest. Let's delve through these ancient barrows of Kings looking for treasure. And, um, you know, before you do any of those sort of classic style adventures, there's this very conflict filled human world that I wanted to take center stage.
0: I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of anybody here, but you know, right in Vornheim, I think, um, Zach Sabbath, he writes, uh, Nobody's written a Vornheim for the um, for the wilderness yet, Uh And I just I just feel like maybe maybe it's about to come out. I just have that feeling. I don't know, I don't know, guys. Um, so so tell me, man. Um, wh- like say you were going to run this like tomorrow. I don't know. Are are you running this right now? Are you? I mean, you you just had a kid. Are you? Are you? Running I'm not. This I'm right not now? running
1: this right now. I've gotten to do some sessions in the world with folks. Um, but the truth is, because it's system agnostic, um, I have to think a lot about the world and I've shown it to a lot of people so that they could read and understand and challenge my my thoughts and the way I convey the information in here. But because this isn't a rule system and it's not a strict like adventure or linked campaign, it doesn't have as many pieces that require as much heavy play testing, if that makes sense. Um, as I, As I move forward and start doing uh adventures for it uh however i publish those they, they might even just be free pdfs or something i send out those will get you know the sort of necessary play testing but but this is it, it's a campaign world so i'm not currently running it
0: but like say uh say, say i was in the neighborhood <laughs> and we got together with some guys or whatever and you're gonna run it right you're like like brendan we want we want to play it uh what would you run it with just, I mean, not to say that that's any better or any worse than any other thing. Just like, what's what would be? What would you?
1: Um, do? right now, I would probably do sharp swords and sinister spells. Uh, yeah. Really? I like it. Wow. It's that's a good. Great. Why? It's I mean, it's why. just it's a pared down, straightforward. It's built to do swords and sorcery, sort of low fantasy, dangerous stuff, and that's kind of how I view this. Um, you know. I would look at, there's there's a lot of stuff I would look at. I mean, I'm kind of a, a system junkie, even though I don't play much. I, I read a lot of different systems because that's what, that's yeah. what we do. Um, so, you know, this could work really well from even just like D&D 5th. I would also feel comfortable running it. Um, the only thing is I, I hate telling players first thing no. And I feel like if I was running D&D 5th, I would already be like, well, I don't want fucking Tieflings in this. Because <laughs> I just don't. Yeah. I just don't.
0: <laughs> That's exactly uh, what I was going to say. I was like, I was like, am I, do, I, do I get to play my Dragonborn uh, Paladin? Is and it, like, it'd it would but work. It would work.
1: But like what what I generally do is in, not generally, specifically in this case, there are a list of races for the world, Um, you know, there's a bunch of human races because they all have sort of unique cultures, backgrounds, beliefs, and sort of abilities. Abilities being a very light sense. Like they have a background, like there's a race of horse people, not part horse, but they ride horses all the time. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So they, they come stock, like you have ability in horsemanship. You have ability with certain weapons. You have a background in certain things. um, And that comes with that that human like race. And then there's other folk races, which are kind of the equivalent of, of Demi humans um, from the old style. But those are much more rare. Um, it's almost like shadow run where it's like, yeah, they exist, but they're, they're even more so than shadow run. They're like on the margins. People don't see them. People don't know them. It would be very rare for you to run into one in a human town or um, so playing them is is sort of a special case like you would want to really talk with your the person running the game and make sure that it works with the campaign and it works within the system to play one of these other folk um so from and then the the classes in the game i give advice on how to translate classes over into what they would be doing as a um person on the island of Eland. So you can use all of the classes from whatever game you're using. And there's just sort of a translation into how they would behave, what they would sort of be on this world. Um, and so you still use the class advancement, you use the abilities and powers and spells from your original game but you can look over into this and it will give you advice and sort of guidelines on how to use them in this world. Uh, for instance, like this is a low fantasy world. There isn't some globe spanning thieves guild with, uh, connections in every town. Like thieves are thieves. They're ruffians and assassins and, you know, uh, people usually down on their luck. It's not this flamboyant swashbuckling world traveling group. Um, so there's just that sort of advice about like if you're playing a rogue, these are the kinds of things you're good at. These are the kind of space you inhabit in the world. Feel free to play a rogue. Take all those abilities from D&D 5th, but I'm going to give you sort of a guide on how to translate it into the this world.
0: Sounds great, dude. <laughs> Sounds great. I mean, what can I say? I'm very excited for the book. I have been for a really long time. Uh, we're kind of in the uh, winding down segment here. I got I got one more question for you um and uh you can feel free to add you know answer this with as much or as little as you'd like uh i i know that you've got like a, you've got like a gig right i know that you've got like a job and a family and a life but you're the kind of person who's always creating and i know that you have some other creative projects under your belt would you care to share some of those with our listeners so that we know your full, your full pedigree? I here? mean, like
1: stuff I've done in the past or stuff I'm looking to do in the, in the future.
0: Oh no, no. Stuff okay. In the past. I
1: mean, yeah, I don't, I, I'm never not making something. <laughs> um, like I've been sort of, like I said, I've been wargaming for straight through since I was, you know, whatever, 10 years old or something um so i'm constantly making new armies and new army projects um that have themes and and whole kind of uh stuff around them both historical fantasy sci-fi everything i have way too many painted miniatures in my life whole whole like greek and (laughs) roman and barbarian armies and you know i i game pretty much anything um so there's been that, uh, I self published comics when I was a sort of teenager into my early twenties. Um,
0: what what was it called? uh, There was a really
1: bad one called fallen. That was like, I started writing when I was, you know, whatever, 17 or something. And pretty much anything you write when you're 17 is incredibly self indulgent and sketchy. It was like this gothy (laughs) post-apocalyptic world. And it's, it was, Entirely ridiculous. And then I wrote one called Creep, which was essentially a superhero version of Cyrano de Bergerac, where there was a, a just this guy who was born with all of these kind of defects and looked horribly ugly, but was super strong. And he would go out and try and fight crime. And then his friend, who was a out of work actor, would take over for all of the sort of right after he had like beat up some guy, this other guy would slide in in the same costume and. Mm-hmm do all of the sort of press and and that sort of thing and uh but it's i mean i don't know i, I the way i'm sort of explaining it it sounds very bright it was a very dark sort of like anytime that the guy would slide in something bad would happen and the cops were hunting them and they weren't even sure they were doing the right thing and all of that
0: so no, no it, sound, it sounded it <laughs> sounded very dark to me I I didn't catch I didn't catch bright from that I caught I caught dark I I felt like it was dark right away it's a uh, and it sounds brilliant um, that sounds brilliant but those I, are uh, that's really that's far in the that-
1: past um yeah besides that I just constantly sort of write um I wrote for Core Hammer a bunch on their blog I've written some stuff for Under the Dice um Stevens his uh zine um I am I am pretty much mm-hmm. willing to waffle on about role-playing, gaming, or nerd subjects to anyone that wants it. Uh, I think I write pretty quickly. <laughs> um, no, you do. So you do. I do that stuff. Yeah, I, did, I mean, always, always doing sort of zines, doing writing articles. Um, I have future plans for a lot more around uh, this project. I have other projects that are kicking around. I'm sort of in a constant...
0: Mm, you want, do you want to share any of that with us? Anything to um, look forward to?
1: It would be – it's something entirely, entirely different. Um, you know, I love this world that I've created. I'm going to keep supporting it with material like adventures, new stuff, um, different things. Um, but it, it definitely fills one part of my life, and there are other parts of my life entirely different, non-fantasy, not dark – uh, just a, a fucking good time would be had with that that new project if I can get it off the ground so we'll see in the future on that one
0: all right <laughs> sounds good sounds good um all right man where can people get at you where can they find you and and you know starting with yep the kickstarter, so the man.
1: kickstarter is called ruin and conquest um and the and is the the symbol for and because that seemed cooler um and search engines be damned. So uh, Ruin and Conquest um, Adventures on the Isle of Elend. um, It's live now. You can search on Kickstarter Uh, that my website is 10 of swords games. That's the like the tarot card, 10 of swords um, games that also has a link to the Kickstarter and will house more information and updates and all of that once we've sort of moved beyond the, the Kickstarter ecosystem. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at xPalpatineX. X. So that's the X Palpatine being the, the letter X, Palpatine being the emperor from Star Wars and another X because that's how we roll. And then you can just find me on Facebook under Brinton Williams.
0: All righty, man. Well, dude, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for coming on, taking the time today to tell everybody about this. Uh, it's gonna fund I mean it's already at like 48% right and then um, it'll be higher by the time people listen to this so I feel like you can back with um, with confidence um, I, I endorse the project I endorse Brinton. Uh, Brinton, dude s- so stoked so excited uh, great job with everything and thanks for coming on the show today man thank you all right man well uh, everybody Uh, thanks for listening and have a good night.